States. Let's uh, let's just go. Um, welcome back, Judd's Buds episode. Um, I think it's twenty six. I think um, probably not because um, you know if you've been following along since day one. I've got uh, just about every guess or prediction that I've made. It's been incorrect. So, um, but I do think it's number 26. And uh, let's go the Curtis Foster episode, the big fucking six, five right shot D man. Like, what was it, like 06 to 2010 or something? I think Vanek came back in 2016. He was number 26. So, you know, take your pick. See the Curtis Foster or one year of Thomas Vanek. Or like Daniel Winnick, you know, that's the episode. Um, so this might be the most unscripted one I've done yet. Um, it is late on Monday right now. I feel terrible. I was very much debating doing another uh, mailbag and then promising a second episode later in the week. But then I realized, who am I kidding? Um I probably won't do that either because uh, I just can't commit and stick to anything. So I said, you know what? Be a grinder. Gut it out. Get it done. Stop bitching. And let's go. So I do want to focus primarily on prospects this uh, episode. But there are a few things I guess I got to touch on um, in Minnesota a little bit. So we'll do that, and then we will finally do another roundup. I don't think I've done a roundup in like a month, so that was another reason I was like, all right, you got to just fucking sack up and do it, kid. Um, so we will do that, and then I got a couple questions, and then we'll uh, we'll get you, we'll just get out of here. Uh, but yeah, let's see where my brain takes us, because like I said, um, this is probably the least amount of time that I spent prepping uh, for one of these. And that's pretty notable considering I usually don't do any prep. So, um, you know, I have no idea what I've said already so far, but um, it we could just completely go off the rails this episode. I might end up like falling asleep uh, or zoning out and just stopping half halfway through like mid sentence, cutting it out. And then, uh, you know, good luck posting that one, Isha. Uh, no show notes for you. And um, then everyone, you know, all 12 of you that listen every week, psychopaths, uh, will will probably get mad at me, yell at me, and that's fine um, because I am now the ultimate heel, as I've said multiple times. So with that being said, let's get going. So nice three-minute, just terrible intro. We're off and running, folks. Um, so obviously one thing I got to touch on, uh, Kirill Kaprizov, you know, there's a lot of good vibes going on right now in Minnesota. Everything's going well. Everything's shaping up that, you know, the Minnesota Wild will more than likely bar some like crazy collapse and some St. Louis heater. Uh, looks like they're going to finish in that two spots. So you get home ice. Um, you stay out of the wild card so you don't have to play Colorado in the first round. Um, although, I'll tell you what, the uh, first wild card spot and going through the Pacific, you know, if you can get through Calgary, it looks pretty nice because Vegas stinks. They're up against it, just making the playoffs. Um, and then the other two teams in that in that Pacific division that are gonna gonna be there, L.A. and Edmonton, right now. And you know, you take your chances on those teams. I think ten times out of ten, Brodeen just let him eat McJesus alive. 
Um, you know, but anyways, home ice for the playoffs. Um, you know, the last two years, well, I guess just this year, cause there weren't really fans last season, but, uh, the X has just been bumping. Um, you know, this is probably the most fun this team's been in forever. So, you know, every home game now, you know, even in past years when it was a mediocre team or whatever people want to say or boring, you know, it's always been one of the best atmospheres in hockey. So, um, you know, and the fact that this year it seems like this is some of the most juice I've seen that arena have game in, game out in like friggin' March, like that the playoffs are going to be absolutely banana sandwich i'm gonna try to get out there i need to, i need to get out there god i gotta get out there for a playoff game um that'd be sick anyways um uh, so yeah like i said a lot of good stuff going on but number one how can we not start off talking about kirill i mean the kid you know he's now he stands alone first place uh most points in a single season in franchise history um there's still however many games left to go um you know he's got 85 right now and to think he had he was i mean to think he was cold to start the year and was basically like 10 points in 10 games um i mean he's just on an absolute tear i mean a lot of guys are um but i mean this kid is just doing everything and it's honestly, you know, he's got the point record right now for single season points and he should easily pass both the goals and assists. I think he's what four. No, he's three away. He's got 30. So he's three away from Saul in 2018. He had 42. That's the franchise lead. Um, and I think he's about what four assists away from Pierre-Marc Bouchard's 07, 08, 50. So it's looking like he's going to have all three. Um, I mean, he's, he's just getting started. I mean, I think we all expect him to be great and be a really good player, but I don't, you know, as someone who's watched him for years before he came over, I don't know if I necessarily expect it's just an absolute, this trajectory that he's on is insane. I mean, the fact that he's probably going to get better too, it's scary. He's like one of the best players in the league right now. One of the most electrifying players in hockey, uh, on the planet really. Um, and he's kind of just, just, he just hit the NHL in easy mode. Um, you know, and a lot of people coming into the year, he got the big payday. Obviously, uh, a lot of pressure. Um, you know, Dowdy said overpaid. Ever freaked out about that, even though I thought it was kind of fucking hilarious. But um, it would appear that the pressure is uh, not a big deal for him. Um, he just, he's legitimately playing NHL easy mode, like rookie mode, not even like, rookie mode with the player assist thing on you know that's what he does every game um he's just i mean the kid's unbelievable he really is and he's only getting started so um i have no idea how much better he could possibly get but it's scary to think that he's you know this young and and already just dominating the nhl i mean he's virtually unstoppable so Kirill Kaprizov, he's going to end the season with the most points in a single season in franchise history, along with goals and assists. I'd be shocked if he didn't hit. He's only got three more goals to get, four more assists. I think it's pretty safe to say that he's going to hit it. Um, You know, and now let's see if he can get to 100 points. I mean, I need to see it. I just need it. Um, Also, in Minnesota, um, you know, now they have six different 20-goal scorers. They're the only team in the league to have that. 
Um, I mean, it's incredible. And I believe on the Wild Takes podcast at the beginning of the year, my wild take was that Felino would hit 20, and he does last night against Washington. Erickson Eck hits 20. Um, you know, there are a lot of questions going into the years. Is, is last year's goal scoring replicable? Um, could he do it again? Or is that just, you know, the dog shit Western division that they were in last season? And he's leading the team at power play goals, and now he's got 20. So, you know, if you looked at all the goals that Erickson X scored last year, uh, they're all very much, you know, they're, they're nothing that he couldn't do again. There was like a couple that I think there was one against St. Louis. He just walked everybody and scored. But other than that, he just makes his money in front of the net. Uh, he's tenacious. He's going to win every single puck battle that he's in. Um, and that line's going. I mean, Greenway's on a tear. Felino's doing his thing. Erickson, they both have 20. So um, not only are you getting ridiculous points from Kaprizov, but it's sprinkled all throughout the lineup. Every line doing a little bit of something. And Tyson Jost, he gets his first goal as a member of the Wild last night. Um, you know, everyone was asking. You know, I know I got a bunch of questions about could Tyson Jost you know, climb up in this lineup a little bit. Does he have that skill? Does he have any offensive pedigree? And I think you're seeing it. I thought he looked really good with uh, Goudreau and Fiala. Um, so that, now you're seeing, you know, he didn't really get that opportunity in Colorado, um, you know, and with Boldy out, sounds like he should be fine. Uh, maybe a little bit more precautionary than anything. I, I'd imagine if it was playoffs or, you know, they needed a win that he could probably go. But um, Tyson Joes gets a look and, I mean, he looked fantastic. So, there's just everything seems to be clicking right now. Um, I thought Middleton's been a lot better. I thought he had a rough maybe one or two games, um, you know, but the last couple, he's been really good. He had that really nice defensive play last night. I think it was on Eller, maybe can't remember, um, but um, him and Spurgeon are starting to look a lot more comfortable together. So we'll see what happens there. Um, and I mean, Flurry and Talbot, they're just unstoppable right now. They're, they, I mean, they can't lose. Um so again, it's just everything's clicking. You know, it seems like every move that Billy G has made from last summer to now, it's all working out. Um, and now it's all about carrying that momentum through the rest of the season and hitting the playoffs, hit the ground running. Um, you know, it's for whatever reason, St. Louis has been some weird roadblock dating back to last year. Um, and it's shaping up that barring, you know, any collapse or whatever. Um, that matchup's probably going to be Minnesota and St. Louis in the first round. So, um, I, I mean, I think, you know, St. Louis, their whole pedigree is being big, tough, whatever. Uh, I don't think the wild have any problem matching up with that. And at this point, they're probably a little bit more, um, physical than St. Louis, to be honest with you. If you look at lines one through four, you'll go to the D, um, you know, they, the wilder in that sweet spot where they can show up to the rink and just say, Hey, how do you want to play today? Great. Let's do it. You know, if you want to go rough, you want to win two, one, one, nothing, we can do that. You want to go high flying, uh, running gun offense, seven, six game. Cool. We can win that way too. Um, and on top of that, now we're not really worrying about the goaltending as much. So they really are equipped to play any style. They're equipped for that playoff hockey. Um, and it's just a fun team to watch. And again, the X is just bumping. That was a great, great home series or great home stand that they just put up. Um, you know, those are the one loss against over you know against Pittsburgh in overtime, but you know, whatever. So um, yeah, Minnesota, all the good vibes. Now, the next thing I want to touch on real quick, uh, Goligoski is coming back. Another thing that I was incorrect about. Um 
So he re-ups two years, um, you know, reasonable cap at 2 million. That's not a big deal. Um, but there are a few things that were interesting. Number one being you now have six out and out NHL, like no doubt about it, NHL defenseman on the roster next year. So, you know, what does that say about Kalen Addison? Um, do they want to have them play another year in Iowa? Is that the goal here? Um, are there moves to be made? Whether it's a Dumba or Kulikov, um, you know, you have to wonder about that a little bit because there's just no spots for Addison to come in and play on. Um, here's the thing. Addison's been fantastic lately in the AHL. I love the kid. I think he's got a really bright NHL future. And one of the things that he absolutely can bring to a lineup as early as next season, that Minnesota is kind of lacking um, somewhat, or maybe not even somewhat, like it's pretty noticeable in a lot of nights, uh, just a good power play quarterback. That's Kalen Addison. You know, that's his game. That's his future. That's where I would be projecting the NHL. A really, really good offensive defenseman. Um you know, he's when he makes it full time and he's logging those big minutes, he's getting looks in the power play. He's going to put up a lot of points. That's just the name of the game with the kid. Um, that being said, I'm not totally convinced he's ready to step in the NHL and play 20 minutes a night. Um, could he? I mean, maybe. Uh, but there are a lot of there are a lot of little habits that he's got to get right. Um, I do think he needs to mature a little bit. He's taking a lot of these weird. I mean, everyone in Iowa is. Um, Iowa is just brutal. Lately, uh, they, they played pretty well this weekend and I thought they had a pretty good weekend, but you know, he's, he's got a little bit of immaturity to his game. He's kind of a snap show. He's got a quick wick, takes some bad penalties, um, just like the entire Iowa wild team. So, you know, I, I do think he's got a little bit of maturing to do. I just, I still wonder how much development there is. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if the plan is to have him start in Iowa next season and get the call-ups or whatever, um, I actually haven't even looked at his contract. Does he have one more year on his ELC? I should probably look while we're talking about him. But um, anyways, yeah, so Goligoski resigns again, two years, two million. So now you have those 60 there. Um, and there's really just no spots for him. Um, you know, especially the other thing too, you got Jacob Middleton. What do you want to do with him? You know, you give up Kakinen, one of your potential, you know, maybe like a backup goalie in the NHL. For the future, uh, you give him up to bring in a Jacob Middleton. So you already have 60 signed through next season, and you have an RFA that you somewhat invested pretty heavily in. I imagine they want to bring him back. I mean, he's 26. Um, he's going to play those games, so he's going to keep his RFA status. Um, he's due for a raise higher than $725,000 cap hit. So, um, you know, I really do wonder what the plan is there. You know, do, are they going to move out of Kulikov? Even if they do that and they bring back Middleton, you still have 60 signed for next season. So, you know, it's, it, it was an interesting one for sure. But I think the biggest part that was is that kind of raised at least both years, um, unless I'm reading the contract wrong. Um, Let's see, Kalen Addison. All right, so he signed through 2023 at his, on his ZLC. And again, he's still young. He's 21 years old. So, um, you know, th this isn't some damnation on Kalen Addison not being ready yet or whatever. I do think there's a little bit more development to be had there, especially on the defensive side of the game. Um, probably a little bit more habits and just playing against pros. I think it's only going to be good for him. But 
Um, you know, he's been good when he's been called up to Minnesota. I think he's been really good in the NHL. Um, you know, and again, it's it's the the spot that they've really um needed a guy, and it, it kind of is confusing because Matt Dumba fits the profile of a guy that should be a pretty good power play quarterback. He's got obviously a lot of offensive upside. I kind of wonder if he's more of a um you know, he's not the kind of guy that's going to slow down the play at all, um, you know, and have that patience. He's kind of like playing that his best was playing a thousand miles an hour. So maybe that's part of it with Dumba in, in the power play. But Kalen Addison, I mean, he's already when he's running that power play in Iowa, it is unbelievable to watch. Uh, they haven't been scoring on it um, for whatever reason. They just can't. And it's been biting them in the ass. And that's why they have lost so many games. lately. Like I think last night or their last game, you know, they're down was it four to one um maybe it was three one i can't remember but are a little bit of small things in his game again like i said the habits and just defending against pro players that he's still got to work on and could probably use another year maybe in iowa i guess but at the same time we've seen him be really good in minnesota and it seems like he kind of just plays up to the competition so you know it's it's curious Again, that they have those six D signed through next season, and they're still probably going to want to sign Middleton, so that gives you seven. Um, and again, either so you're looking at moving somebody or two players if you want to have Addison have a shot there. So we'll see what the plan is. But the Golagoski resign definitely was confusing, especially I think it was like hours after he had been healthy scratched. So um, I think he's top five in the league and plus minus if that if that if you care about that, but um, anyways, reasonable cap it, but it was just, uh, it was interesting to say the least. So that's Minnesota. Let's move on Two, we got to touch on Iowa real quick. Two games this weekend. Connor Dewar makes his return. Looks fantastic. Scores a tying goal in the first game of the weekend late. Um, he was incredible in case anyone's wondering about Connor Dewar. And if he was going to be bummed out about going down to Iowa, if he was going to sulk at all, you don't know Connor Dewar because he was a maniac he's playing super hard he's throwing huge hits defensively solid huge part of the power play he's scoring he's all over the puck in the offensive zone uh he just didn't skip a beat it was almost like he was excited to go back maybe part of that was he got to go back to iowa and then immediately hit the road and go to san diego the boys apparently were loving it that place is a absolute madhouse the fans were trying to fight tim army when they were going down the tunnel they were completely shit faced and it was like halfway through the second period. There's like people just hammering nips of vodka. They definitely don't sell those at hockey games, uh, but it was insane. And they got to spend like four days there. So maybe that's why he was so fired up, uh, but he looked great in his return. Um, there was definitely no pouting or sulking, sulking or feeling bad for himself. He clearly just kind of took everything that he gained at the NHL level and brought it to the AHL. And he's one of their best players in both games. Um, you know, he, he was playing with Beckman and Chafee, which I loved. I thought that was a really good top line. Um, then you had Rossi with Rao and Shaw, two veterans. So I thought that looked really good as well. Um, and on that third line, I loved the combination of first off Stevens and Sweeney. It looks like they're trying to stick with that. Vlad first off is incredible. Um, I actually think he looks a lot better in the AHL playing pro games than he did at UConn. Um, and it's kind of understandable because UConn's not, they're kind of, they're, they're a little bit of like an underdog there in that hockey East. Um, you know, the hockey East is just stacked. 
you know, BU, BC, Northeastern, UMass, like it's just it, Lowell, like Providence. All these teams are unbelievable. Um, and UConn's always just kind of been that fighting underdog, play super hard, score greasy goals kind of team. Um, you know, and I think for first off, you know, it, it's a little bit of an adjustment for the way he likes to play, but he's also very scrappy, super aggressive. He's tenacious. He's not afraid to get into those, those battles. And, um, but he, he looks really good in the HL, uh, finally got his first two points, two really sick assists. Um, again, it's just one of his, not necessarily weaknesses, but one thing that wasn't necessarily a strength early on in his career, especially his draft year is, is playing in tight spaces where, you know, if you give him a couple strides or you don't maintain a good gap on him, he'll kill you. He's super creative in the offensive zone, whether he's shooting, he's got a wicked shot. He can score from deep he can score in tight. Um, he, he's he can pound a puck and it's accurate. Um, so he's one of those guys that can score from distance, which is not easy, uh, but he scored, he can, he can kill you in a number of ways. Um, he's obviously a winger, but you know, his passing his creativity, you know, you give him an inch and he's going to take it. Um, and the puck's probably going to go in the back of the net. That's just how he plays. Um, he loves having the puck on his stick. Uh, and he's just really fun to watch in the offensive zone. But, you know, one of the things they really did need to work on early on in his career is when he does get closed down in tight spaces, don't just dump the puck in or don't just try to get rid of it or don't panic. Um, and, you know, he's definitely, he's still, he is a strong kid. And I think he's got a lot better at, you know, battling or whatever and winning pucks. Um, but that's one thing that I noticed is, you know, he's every once in a while, he's just going to get out muscled playing the pro game from college. But um, at the same time, there are a lot of times that he, he had someone all over him and he was not panicking. And he did that a lot at UConn this season when I was watching. Um, but he was u- learning how to shield with his body a lot better. Um, and he definitely wasn't panicking if, you know, he had defensemen closing in, closing his space down. Um, he's still finding a pass or he's skating himself out of trouble. He's a good skater. Um, but he's been, he looked, he looked more than comfortable in the AHL. Um, you know, he's been robbed of a couple points. Uh, he could have had three or four assists in his, in his last game that he had two. Um, he had two really just sick, just sick touch passes. Um, you know, the first one, you know, he gets robbed or he, you know, the puck squirts out and, you know, he's kind of, he's coming in from the side. Um, he's got a little bit of pressure, takes a shot. It's saved. He collects the puck. And instead of just trying to force it into the pads, he just dishes it off the church and <clears throat> who rips it from in tight. So, you know, this little bit of the creativity, it's the not panicking when he has, you know, he's right in front of the net. And, you know, for me, I'd probably panic and just like throw my stick at the net or something. Uh, but he just slips a, a gorgeous little five foot pass and Churchman has a wide open net. And then he does it again, like same. It was almost a carbon copy. Um, I tweeted videos of both his assists. I want to go back and cut a video of his whole game, but um, he's all over the puck. You know, he's, he, he stands out. And I think that's all you can really ask for, for a kid coming in and, and making his day AHL debut or his pro debut uh, coming out of, you know, UConn. So, um, you know, sky's the limit for this kid. You know, he's got, if he can, you know, if he can get used to playing the pro game and playing against men, he's a top nine guy. You know, he's, I don't think he's a fourth line player, um, you know, on a team that scores a lot of goals and is very offensive minded the way he plays, how tenacious he is, how aggressive he can play. I could see him being, you know, flirt with the a second line 
scoring winger that that gives you a little bit of responsibility on both ends. Defense is definitely still a work in progress, but the thing with him is he works at it. Um, you know, and his skating helps him a lot, I think. But his awareness and, and IQ, his hockey IQ, really, really help him out defensively. Um, he makes pretty good reads. Um, you know, there were just a few times playing. I mean, it's college hockey. There's sometimes where he's sitting there straight legged, like watching the play in the D zone. But I mean, especially in Iowa, these three games that he's played in, uh, he's been very good um, in, the, in the defensive zone. He's been, you know, hard on pucks, closing down uh, guys that are trying to attack wide. It, it, he just fits right in. Um, and I think that line. It's a possession-based line with him, Sweeney, and, and Stevens. That suits his game, a possession when they're just extending offensive zone shifts, all three of them. Um, and again, he loves having the puck on his stick. So there are a lot of times where it's him that's extending the offensive zone. He's really good on the forecheck too. Um, so I was just super impressed with first off. I thought it's been a it's been a solid, solid first three games. And again, like I said, I think he's actually been – he's looked a lot better. Maybe it's because I'm specifically looking for him and looking for the good parts of his games. Um but I really do think that he's he's looked even better in the AHL. So it makes me wonder, you know, what the ceiling is for this kid. But um, I, I like him a lot. You know, I think halfway through the year, I was starting to really pump his tires a lot when I was watching him. Um, but he's a player, man. I think, you know, if he's if he can just keep on getting a little bit better, keep getting used to playing the pro game, you know, I, I would be shocked if he wasn't a, an out-and-out out regular in the NHL in two, two years' time maybe. Um, so good for him, even though Iowa, you know, it's looking like no playoffs for them, especially with that last loss, but whatever. Um, I think that's all I really want to talk about Iowa. It's been, they're just, they continue to shoot themselves in the foot. Um, you know, when they have big power plays, they can't convert. Uh, they'll start games really well and then just start taking really dumb penalties. I've said this before. They lead the league, I believe, now either in penalty minutes overall or just penalty minutes per game, like per 60 or whatever. You know, it's it's not like it's a lot of fighting majors or anything. It's a lot of, like, misconducts. You know, I think Kramerosa might have three abusive officials. <laughs> misconducts. Like, it's... They just continue to shoot themselves in the foot. Um, I do think a lot of that has to do with how demanding of a style that Tim Army, you know, his coaching style, it's not easy. And, you know, you're at this point in the season where the guys are exhausted. Marco Rossi, he's still looking really good, but he looks exhausted. He just looks gassed. Mason Shaw, he's been busting his ass all year. He's having a hell of a year. He looks exhausted. Beckman looks exhausted. It's a demanding style that they play. They try to play the up-tempo, um, hard on the forecheck, super aggressive battle. And they just look gassed. Um, so, you know, I think they pretty much have to win out if they want any chance of making the playoffs. And at this point, it, it they're essentially done. So I think they've got, you know, a couple weeks left maybe of the regular season. I think like maybe 13 games or something like that. I could be totally making that up. But playoffs aren't looking likely, which is really disappointing when you're thinking preseason about, you know, the different players that they had, the line combinations they could tinker with. But, um, you know, at the same time, a lot of guys got called up to Minnesota. Guys got hurt. Guys got sick. You know, it's the way it goes sometimes. And I think all in all, they're, you know, the guys that you're really looking for to have solid years and in terms of development, Marco Rossi, Adam Beckman, um, Connor Dewar, 
Kalen Addison. I think a lot of them really performed really well all year long, um, you know, and developed a lot of really good habits and, and definitely took a, a big step forward for those younger guys. Um, and I think you, you mean a guy like Mitchell Chafee now gets me really excited to see what he could do. He's got 19 goals, I think, in 38 games. He's just like casually on like a 40 goal pace. Uh, he's just, he, that shot is insane. Um, he does a lot of things really well. He's a fun player to watch. So he's one that, that gets you excited for the future. So, you know, while it was definitely a disappointing, you know, you know, looking back on it now, I do think there are plenty of guys who uh, did take a big step forward and that should look at the season uh, favorably. And again, there's still games left. So there's still some wins out there and some, some more growth to be had. But uh, yeah, at this point it's, it's a tough, tough go for them. So, uh, that's Iowa. Let's move on. Uh, but before we do that, let's pay some bills. I am on it today. Look at me buzzing. Anyways, let's talk about DraftKings. Two titles are up for grabs on the stacked UFC 273 fight card. Join the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter and get $100 in free bets Win or lose, guaranteed. If Sportsbook is not available in your state yet, you can still get in on the excitement. Everyone can play for a share of millions in prizes. Not hundreds, not thousands, millions of prizes. In DraftKings Daily Fantasy MMA Contest, draft your lineup of fighters while staying under the salary cap, rack up points for strikes, takedowns, and more. DraftKings is a safe, secure, and reliable site. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code THPN, throw down $5 on UFC 273, and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. That's code THPN this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the, the official sports betting partner of the ufc 21 plus restrictions apply see show notes for details i wonder if you can uh, draft nick delorier that fucking lunatic <sighs> probably not um <laughs> fucking idiot uh that fight with him and sealer good lord sealer is a sick sick bastard you know at the beginning of that fight it looked like he was eating because delorier when he fights you know he doesn't do the little jab, you know, grab the jersey, jab, jab, jab. He punches, he just goes almost exclusively all rights and he punches through your face. And I thought he connected on five absolute bombs, like punching through Sealer's face. And Sealer just ate them and broke his nose. He broke Delorier's nose. And of course, Delorier is a complete sick puppy. He goes to the box laughing, also mad. He's got the double black eye now. His nose exploded. There's blood everywhere, but he loves it. So good for him, and we love him for that. Um, be we gotta. I mean, and Sealer goes to the. We've seen it before too. Is he was in Minnesota when he fought Witkowski, and they were just going bomb for bomb. I, I don't know what you know. There was a rumor going around when Colt Nor was playing that he had. I think it was Colt Nor. He had a uh, metal plate in his face so that if you punched him in the face, you like break your hand. I think Sealer might actually have that. I, I do. I really am convinced because every time he's in a fight, he'll eat 400 million. Like 
absolute bombs to the face. And it's like, it just fuels him. He's a sick puppy. That Nick Steeler is good for him. My God, that was a Titanic tilt that rocked. Um, unless you're one of the people that hates fighting, then you probably hated it, but, um, it was sick and sealer. We got to watch, we got to keep that guy on a watch list of some sorts because he's just a complete mute and he's terrifying. He's scary. And, and we should keep our eyes on him. All right. <laughs> Fuck. Let's just, let's just go to the uh, roundup. Uh, sorry. It's writing down some show notes. 33 minutes. That's not too bad, dude. All right. Let's go to the roundup. We haven't done this in a while. As always, we're going to start with Ryan O'Rourke. He didn't play this week except for today, and I did not watch today's game. Uh, so like I said, I think previously, he got suspended uh, two weekends ago, I think, or maybe it was last weekend, I guess. Uh, really ugly slew foot was not a good look. Again, I've said this before. He has a short wick. And it's definitely one of the things he needs to learn how to control. But at the same time, it also is something that makes him, it's part of his game that makes him great. Um, you know, he's just, he's not going to hit the NHL and just start fighting everybody and be some kind of sheriff out there. But the guy's a leader. Um, he's passionate. He's a, he's the captain for a reason. He sticks up for teammates. And when things aren't going well, he's going to do something. Um, this was his third separate penalty of the game, and he got kicked out. Uh, second time he's been suspended. I'm shocked he only got two games because it was a pretty bad slow foot. Uh, the other guy's fine, thank God. But, um, you know, he got suspended first game of the season, so he's already on their radar. And, I mean, he the, the slow foot was crazy, and he was running around kind of like an idiot, and I say that endearingly because i it's funny and it again it's part of what makes him great he was running around like an idiot the whole game and again it was his third penalty and it was had like a roughing you had like a hook or something um so he's probably lucky he only got two um so he missed those two games he was supposed to play yesterday in classic junior hockey uh the game got postponed until today because there was a bridge that was shut down and sarnia couldn't go over the bridge to get to the game so they played today uh, they won eight two again. Hammered the overs for the Sioux Greyhounds. It hits, I swear to God, ninety five percent of the time. Um, so eight two win stays out of the penalty, stays out of the box. Good for him. He's on his best behavior. Uh, two assists plus one with a shot on goal. I did like sparingly look over a few different times at the games. It was just a complete shit kicking. Um, so, anyways, I I need to go back and rewatch some of the shifts from that game, just because I, I hate going a whole week without seeing them. Some of these kids play, although sometimes it just happens. Um, but two assists. We love it. Um, I did see the first one. It was a pretty, it was one of those secondary assists that, you know, it's like a shot or something and, or a pass to a shot rebound, rebound goal. So he gets a secondary assist, whatever, but uh, I have to go. I, I want to go back and, and rewatch some of the shifts. So 47 games from the season, uh, 10 goals, 30 assists for 40 points, plus four, 74 penalty minutes. Um, and the whole CHL, they only have two weeks left of the season and then it's going to be the playoffs. And I don't think any prospects from Minnesota that are playing the CHL are on teams that will not be in the playoffs. Uh, they're all on really good teams. So um, that should be interesting. Uh, Damon Hunt, he did not play this week. He's got a lower body injury again. Um, that's one of the things that you really have to worry about with Damon Hunt. Um, he gets hurt. He's been hurt like 
at least once every year and some of them are pretty bad um it sounds like he's gonna be okay it sounds like you know moose jaw they've already been in a playoff spot for a while um i think they are wrestling him off of the playoffs a little bit i didn't you know last game i was watching i didn't notice anything so i don't know if something happened there in practice or there was just like a nagging injury but sounds like they're just being conservative for now so he didn't play in their three games um and while that you know missing three games sounds bad you know that's just three games in a matter of five days so um especially with a lower body injury if you have a groin or something um there's really no use in playing in any of these games so uh we'll 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 keep an eye on that though i'm going to try to figure out what the injury actually is but again it's junior hockey so it's really hard to get any information um uh, but he's still having a really good year so um you know hopefully he'll be back this week um but he'll be back for playoffs from what I understand. Uh, Carson Lambos looks incredible. Um, three games this week, relatively, relatively quiet in terms of actual counting stats. Um, but he was playing a very effective game. I thought uh, generally when he's on the ice, only good things happen. Um, you know, I think in their third game, they lost three to one. That might've been his quote, like, the one game that he wasn't very good. Um, he had a couple turnovers. Um, that being said, he had a lot of plays where he's on the puck in the offensive zone. He's just walking the blue line. I think I've tweeted like 10 videos recently of him just dancing people out of their shoes. It's just what he does. He's electric to watch the amount of space. He's able to generate with his movement, walking the blue line. Um, and just with his little deception, you know, shoulder fake one way, you know, like he's going to go down the wall. And it's not like he's doing a whole lot. It's just so deceptive. And, you know, the guy bites and all of a sudden he's taking a hard stride to the right and he's got eight feet of space to work with. Um, you know, and along with that, he's not just sending hopeful shots through. Like I've said before, he's really smart, selective with his shots. Um, and generally they go through on net or someone's getting the tip. Um but he's just such a creative player, and I thought he was fantastic. The first two games of the week, they won 8-1 and 7-0. First game, he's plus two with five shots on net. Second game, he's got an assist, plus two with four shots on net. Um, interestingly enough, just because of how stacked that Winnipeg team is, and that 7-0 win was against Regina, by the way, and Lambos was shutting Bedard down the whole game. You can say, ah, oh, well, Bedard's 16. Yeah, well, Bedard's a generational player. Um, he's going to go first overall in 2023, and that draft is loaded. And Bedard is going to be one of the best players in the NHL very soon. The kid is insane. Uh, but Lambos really did a number on him. Um, you know, right at the end of the game as well, Bedard eventually just snapped and just started cross-checking. Lambos went to the box for two of the last three minutes. Lambos was just laughing. Um, but it was, uh, it was incredible. Yeah, he's just that's the thing with Lambos. He's, he's, he makes all these flashy plays offensively. He's got that shot, you know, everything he does stands out. You notice him all the time, but it's not like he's just pure offense. He, he I, there are a lot of nights where he's used more on the PK than he is on the power play just because of a, how stacked they are um, and how many guys they have on that blue line who are like 19 and 20 who are older than he is. Um, and are also very, very good offensively and really good power play quarterbacks. But, um, you know, their PK is excellent, and he is always out. He, he's usually out there killing, you know, in a two-minute penalty, he's out there for at least a minute and a half. Um, you know, the kid can play forever. You know, he's healthy, clearly, because he's logging big minutes, and he's, 
looking completely fine. So that injury concern is not there anymore. So that's good. Um, but he's just been the whole year. He's been really good, but lately it's just, it's controlled. Um, he's smart about when to pinch He's very effective when he pinches, he knows when to go, when to stay, um, you know, his retrievals breaking the puck out, um, you know, under pressure, he's great. Uh, if he's going to go, if he knows he's got to clear the puck, he's really good at clearing the puck without taking icing. Um, he's just a really smart player. He's an all around, just a solid defenseman. He definitely projects, you know, I think his absolute floor is like a five, um, you know, five out of six D, but he definitely is projecting like a top four D and he's, he's looking more and more ready to take the next step. So we'll see if he goes to the AHL next season, we'll see how many spots there are, but. Um, you know, especially considering Hunt and Lambos or, or Hunt and O'Rourke are definitely going to go. We'll see if they bring up Lambos as well. I would love it because uh, you have three guys that can move the puck up days, first of all. But, um, you know, he just looks like he's ready to take a step. So I love the kid. He's a lot of fun to watch. He really is. If you have a chance to watch him, I couldn't suggest him more. Um, he rocks. So three games, assists, plus three eleven shots, two penalty minutes. So this season he's up to 47 games. With 10 goals, 33 assists for 43 points. He's a plus 37. He's got 53 penalty minutes. Um, just a solid player. The fact that they left the first round last summer with Lambos and uh, Wallstedt and they didn't pick until 20 is crazy. Kyle Masters, uh, he missed the last week or two uh, with injury, so he came back uh, two games. He only registered a shot on net, no other stats. Um, you know, the first game I thought he looked like he was getting back in the swing of things. Again, Red Deer is a really good team. So, um, you know, it's not sometimes they're playing up tempo. Sometimes they're just looking to shut it down. They got into a couple meat grinder games, which he loves. Um, you know, the one thing that was good that stood out, stood out was he's still super physical. So he's usually playing at his best when he's playing really hard. Um, I thought he defended really well, which is right now one of the better parts of his games is defensive play. And then like we've talked about before, breaking up the ice, whether it's with a pass or whether you're skating. Um, and then defensively, he's just really good. So I thought defensively he was good in both games. Uh, didn't necessarily stand out. Um, you know, part of that's coming back from injury. Uh, so obviously, like, you know, two games, just one shot. Um, they scored eight goals. Like, you know, he's this season hasn't been a great season in terms of points, but um you know, he has been a very effective player for them. They rely on him pretty heavily, especially on the PK. Uh, doesn't get a lot of offensive looks, so I think next year it's going to be an interesting interesting year for him. He's still super young, too. Um, you know, I think next year he'll get more opportunity. Um, so, uh, that being said, I mean, there's still two weeks left in the season plus playoffs. So, but yeah, Kyle Masters, I mean, it's just like quiet week. But again, coming back from injury, um, you know, the skating was there. The defensive play was there, so. All in all, not worried about, you know, one week where he's not as noticeable breaking the puck out or making plays or anything like that. I still think he was pretty effective and, and fine if, if just quiet. So 61 games a season. Again, not a ton of points. Three goals, 11 assists, 14 points, plus 28. We like that. And uh, 35 penalty minutes. And we move to Caden Bank here, who once again was excellent this week. Three games, two goals, three assists for five points, plus one. It <clears throat> wasn't great to face off that, but whatever. Um, so first game, he goes two goals in his second start of the game. It's really fun to watch him now because he's now just playing such a mature game. 
Um, and he's kind of the one thing I really like about him is he adapts to the type of game that they're playing in. Um, you know, if it's running gun, he's like, all right, I will absolutely keep up with the play. I will knock loose pucks out. Um, I will feed Logan Stankoven, who is insane. Um, but he's just adjusting to whatever game they're playing. And there's games where he'll be centering the first line with Stankoven and, you know, with Toporowski, he's been out. He's been playing a lot with Semenov on the right there. Sometimes he's the center with Stankoven on the right or left. Uh, sometimes he's on the left wing of that line. Sometimes he's left wing on line two. Sometimes he's a center on line two. And I think he's just a super important player for them. Uh, he defends really well. I think I've said this every week. He's getting a lot better about learning how to use his body defensively and on the puck. There are a lot of times he's grabbing it along the wall um, and just going with a power move to the net. The shot's really good from inside. He's just a really effective player, and he gives him a little bit of everything. Um you know, again, I, I, I haven't seen a ton of necess- like play driving necessarily, but a lot of that has to do with the fact that a lot of nights he's playing with Logan Stankoven, who does that in spades. Like, it's just the name of the game with the kid, and he's a monster this year. And again, Bank here is kind of just saying, all right, what do we need me? What do you need me to do uh, this shift? What do you need me to do on this line? Um, and again, if nothing else, he's super reliable. He's super dependable. He's on the ice if they're looking for a goal. He's on the ice if they're defending a goal. Um, big time penalty killer for them. Um, and the big thing about him, he's not afraid to get into those dirty areas. He knocks so many pucks loose. He's gotten really a lot better, you know, battling along the walls. Um, but I just think he looks really good. So he continues to play well. Cam Loops is a fucking wagon. My God, they are good. They score at will. I swear to God. There are so many games where, you know, it'll be a quiet first five minutes, then they get one, and you can almost book that they're going to get four more by the end of the first period. It, they score, like, in bunches like crazy. Um, you know, Bank here is at the center of a lot of that. You know, last night they go down, so I think it was 3-1 at the end of the second period. Um, you know, and they come back and they win in overtime. Bank here gets the primary assists. Uh, in overtime yesterday, um, you know, in the whole shift in overtime, you know, they start on the four, four on three power play and he's got the puck like the whole time, um, you know, circling the offensive zone, moving the defense a little bit or the PK, I guess, you know, making the pass to a stank over or whoever it is out there, you know, they rip a shot. It goes high off the wall. He's going to get it and he's just recycling. Um, so you look at him and, you know, you wonder about him looking like, a player who, you know, a possession game, the way the Minnesota Wild like to play. Um, if he can keep working on that skating, get that foot speed up there, he, he's he got some NHL tools and he's learning how to use his size a little bit better. Um, you know, and if nothing else, there's always a market for you if you can defend well as a forward with a little bit of offensive touch. So the one thing is just you wonder what projects to, the, to you know, NHL caliber. Um, he's definitely going to need another year, at least in juniors. Totally fine with that. Uh, but he just looks really good. He's such a good player for them. Um, you know, it helps that he plays with really good players, but you have to be a good player to play with good players, I think. So uh, another good week for him. Um, so like I said, three goals or three games, two goals, three assists for five points. Um, and he did get one second start of the game nod uh, this week. So 64 games, 18 goals, 36 assists, 54 points. He's a plus 15, 24 penalty minutes. Uh, just a solid week again. Let's go to Josh Piller. He looks comfortable. Um, you know, he's definitely not the same player before the injury. Whatever the injury was, it was clearly pretty significant. Uh, but he looks really good, and he's actually playing 
for Saskatoon, he's playing on their second line as a center. Um, you know, his face-offs, it's super inconsistent. Like this week, his first game, he went four for 14 at the dot and three, two loss. Second game, they went four, one, he gets an assist. He's a plus two. He was excellent. I thought, uh, he had a shot and he went 10 for 16 at the face-off dot. And then the third game, they lose two, one, he scores an absolute rip of a goal. Um, you know, that's one of his strengths. He can, God, he can wire a puck, whether it's a slap shot or his wrist, or he just gets so much power and it's accurate. Um, you know, he moves his feet well. So a lot of times he's finding himself on odd man breaks. Um, you know, and now that he's got a little bit more confidence, I think playing in Saskatoon and feeling like he's healthy, um, you know, they've elevated him again to that second line center role. When he came back, he was primarily fourth line wing. Um, now he's in their top six and he's playing really well. Uh, but anyways, the third game, he gets the goal with on the one shot. He took, took a, a hit from behind penalty. Whoops. He plays super hard. That's something he does. And then he goes four for 16 at the face up dot. So, um, I'm not, I couldn't put less stock into face-offs or whatever, especially for prospects. Cause that's something that you can just pick up. I really don't think it's a difficult thing for hockey players to learn how to do uh plus i don't really know how much center is going to play in the nhl i think he definitely projects more like a wing but um you know you like having a little bit of a little bit of options there uh he's a versatile player but he just looks really comfortable he's playing more and more often again when he did come back from that injury at first he's very limited minutes fourth line um they were really careful with him which i thought was smart he wasn't playing in every game, you know, they're being really easy on him. Um, and now he just looks comfortable. He fits right in. He fits in well with his teammates, plays on a good line and he plays in their top six. So, and on top of that, he's starting to produce again. So good for him. Um, but yeah, I've said it before. He kind of reminds you of Craig Smith, just like all out chaos, uh, high octane, high event hockey. Uh, he's a fun player to watch. But, um, yeah, it, it's nice to see that he, he just looks comfortable again. So good for him. So 45 games, 13 goals, 24 assists, 37 points, plus two and 42 pims. Last one, the CHL, Pavel Novak. He's back. He had a little bit of a slump. He ended up going down to the fourth line for Kelowna. And watch out because he's back. Uh, he was incredible both games that they played in. Uh, the first game, they went 9-2. He's got a goal, two assists, three points, plus two, three shots. Um his goal was a beauty. Um, just another just cannon. But, you know, it, the thing with him again is this year, especially it's just the versatility or not maybe not the versatility, but, you know, the different looks that he generates on offense. He's not just a one shot, you know, one trick pony anymore. He's not just a guy that's going to shoot the puck from deep and score. Um, he loves having the piece super confident on the puck. He loves having the puck on his stick. He'll drive to the middle. Um, he's deceptive. Um, you know, his playmaking just pops up and it's, it's really good. He's a really good passer and, and he's firing a lot of really good passes in, um, you know, and he's, he's getting the points for it. So, um, you know, if he's found himself on the power play in the net front, he's battling for pucks. He's super effective on the four check. I've said this before, you know, when he's go, when he goes in on the four check, he's not just doing it to look good. He's doing it with effectiveness. He's winning a lot of pucks. He's creating loose pucks just by, you know, putting the D under pressure. Um, whether it's F one or F two, I think he's always in the right spot. Um, there's a weird fly in my room. Um, but he just looks really good. So, you know, second game of the week, another goal. Um, 
and it was just a classic Pavel Novak. The, the release is insane. Just puck from behind the net. Um, you know, Doc finds him right in the slot. And I mean, uh, the puck's on his stick and off his stick in 0.2 seconds. And it's in the back of the net. Um, and the net was a little wet too. So it was like a flash of water. So that was cool. Uh, but he's just, even uh, offensively, this kid is, he's a blast to watch. And he, he's, he's still going to get stronger, I think. But, um, you know, he's not afraid to battle and he's creating offense whether he's the one scoring or whether he's assisting um you know and again i think he's got 27 goals in 56 games this season i think seven maybe eight maybe less are on the power play so he's doing it all at even strength he's got a couple of shorties um you know they're starting to use him on the pk a little bit i actually thought he was okay defensively this week you know still kind of sometimes just refuses to move his feet but you know that's just whatever man whatever floats your boat dude but you probably should figure that out maybe. Um, but I thought there was a little bit of effort there. Um, he did move his feet a little bit, so that was good to see. Um, but just just two really solid games for him, and he just, he's got the swagger again. Um, like I said, he had a little bit of a slump there for a few weeks, found himself playing on the fourth line. Part of that, I think he did get injured and had a little bit of trouble coming back. But um, he's back. He's got the swagger. You know, he takes faceoffs. Uh, he plays in the wing or at center. He's just versatile in that regard but offense in different ways um he's got the nhl shot that's for sure you know it's hard it's accurate um and it's effective and he scores so 56 games 27 goals 40 assists for 67 points he's got the most points of all the prospects in minnesota uh, he's a plus 23 and he's got 14 pins so that's the chl guys um pretty good week so let's go to Europe. Uh, Wallstead's healthy, but he is clearly the backup for Lulea right now in the playoffs. Uh, he didn't play neither game or any three of the games. Um, I kind of expected that. I mean, you know, he came back for one game, and the guy in front of him, however you say his fucking name, Lazanati or some shit, um, he's been actually really good for them. I think they're up 2-0 in the series, 3-0 in the series right now. Um, but he actually looks really good for them, so whatever. Uh, Philip Johansson looking really good, logging right around 20 minutes a game in both their playoff games. Uh, they won both in overtime, and he scored his first playoff goal in the SHL, an absolute back-scratching bomb. Um, it kind of sucks uh, reporting on him now or watching now because you know he's not coming back. Um, they will get a second-round pick for him, so, you know, Judd Brackett, do your thing. Uh, probably going to find a player better, but, um, you know, he just looks really good. And he, both his games that I watched, uh, both of his playoff games so far, um, he's been incredible. Like, maybe not incredible, but stands out effective offensively. You see the tools there. Play, He's playing really hard defensively. He's blocking shots, too. He's killing penalties. But, again, name of the game for him and the other Johansson uh, is that offense. And it was good to see him score. Um, and the, the European atmosphere hockey games is just incredible. So, um, you know, First game, 1922 time on ice. Second game, 1943 time on ice. So right around 19 and a half. Uh, first game is five shots in a block. Second game has the goal with three shots in a block. So two games, one goal, eight shots, two blocks. Uh, congratulations to Phil, Phil Joe on his first uh, playoff goal. But he just looked really good. But whatever, it's kind of a tease because he's never coming over here. Uh, the other Johansson, Simon Johansson, or Simone possibly, who knows? Uh, again, he's signed for another year over there, but um, the fact it was only a one-year deal uh, makes you wonder if they're thinking about bringing him over. Um, they've played in four games since we last spoke, and he looks really good. Uh, he scored a goal. He had another assist. He took 19 shots in those four games. 
including eight in their first game of the week where they won two one. That's the uh, that's the game that he scored in. I believe the series now is three two for Ilvesh or however the fuck you say their name. Um, actually, does he have more than nineteen? Sh- yeah, no, no, it's nineteen shots. Um, I haven't been able to watch as much of him because two of their games, I think, or maybe three were. Yeah, three of them were in the middle of the week uh, when I was actually in the office. When I'm in the office, I can't watch as much. When I'm at home, I can have another screen over here because um, that's just how I roll. It's my ADD. Um, but from what I was watching again, it's just so, he's so good offensively. I mean, he's he's not going to be a defensive defenseman, but you know, he, if he does make it over here and he does make it to the NHL, he's got offensive defenseman NHL tools. You know, you can see him on a third pair, maybe limited minutes, but get a little bit of power play looks. I do wonder how much is projected with the NHL just with, you know, you know, you can't just be pure offense. I mean, there's some guys, I guess, that can like Tyson Berry, I guess, maybe. Um, I don't think he's like on that level, but still young. Um, but he just looks really good. So he's just continuing a strong season. So good for him. Uh, we'll see if he ever makes it over here. Um, KHL. I'll be completely honest with you. I've probably watched a total of five minutes. That being said, Husnit Dinos, Fetlikov, and Guskov are playing against each other right now. Guskov has been playing sparingly uh, for Siska. Like he didn't play in their first game of the series, and then he played three minutes today. Svetlikov's been really good. He's almost at a point per game in the playoffs, even with limited minutes. Um, I caught a couple games. You know, same thing. He's he logs a ton of minutes for them. Um, except for the last two games, um, does a lot of does a lot of sneaky, creative, offensive things. But like behind the net, um, you know, he's got good hands. He's a good passer. He's got decent size. He can move. Um, you know, well, if this is project to the NHL, who knows? Probably not. Uh, I'd be surprised if he comes over. Um, but I thought, I mean, the whole year when he's when he finally came back and he was healthy, he looked really good. So good for him. Uh, he had an, he had assist in both games this week. Both games against Ska. Uh, Huzadinov is barely playing. He played like 14 minutes, I guess, in the first game. Um, he can't win a face up to save his life right now. I think he was two for 15. He played like six minutes today. Um, you know, but he does make the most out of his minutes. Like, you know, he'll get like two blocks, three hits, two shots, and it's like six minutes ice time. It's like, yeah, all right. But, you know, it's not super effective, I don't think. But um, I have no idea what to make of the KHL playoffs right now, to be honest with you. I have no idea what to make of Russian players playing in Russia. Um, and again, I probably watched a total of five minutes, so I wouldn't really put a whole lot of stock in anything I'm saying. Um, but I do know the game today looked like he was playing more of a defensive game. <laughs> again, he only played six minutes, so whatever. But um, he was early in the playoffs pretty much playing either second line or third line center, and he had a couple of assists. But you know, in terms of how he's been playing, I wouldn't really be able to give you that good of a gauge. But, you know couple of shifts i've seen you know there's flashes of the creativity offensively um but again right now he does project i mean just from how this season's gone and things that he's done really well um you know he started off hot when he was getting a lot of minutes and then he was talking about coming over to the u.s so they stopped playing him and then he was pretty much all defensive but um you know i really do think his absolute floor is like a nico sturm type he can skate um there's sneaky offense in there uh but defensively he's just really really solid but He's a great player. I still think he's a very he's very high up in their prospect pool. You know, again, he'll be able to develop 
hopefully just about fully in Russia and then come over and not really spend a whole lot of time in the AHL before he hits the NHL. Cause I don't think he's all that far off. He is tiny, definitely needs to get stronger. Um, at the same time, he's not afraid to battle and he's, he definitely improved significantly as the year has gone on. But, um, you know, it's definitely one area that he can, he also can just do that in Russia. Totally fine. So that's the KHL. And then obviously there's no more college guys other than first off playing in the AHL. And we'll see if Hench just gets a game soon, by the way. He has not played yet. So let's go to the questions. Hour in. Whew. I'm like, whew. I, I, I have no idea what I was about to say. I just, you know, I've just been so on it this episode that I left myself speechless. All right, shut the fuck up. Okay, questions. This is a long one. Uh, we'll go to the Gmail. Luke Shapdelaine. It's definitely not how you say it, bro. Sorry. Um, he sent this in, I think, five minutes after I stopped recording last week. So Luke says, and it, he sent me about a paragraph. So you're just you just want me to read. Not sure if you'll see this in time. Didn't. But for another question for you. It's apparent the Wild will not be able to keep Fiala. The money doesn't work and moving Dumba doesn't make sense. You look at the term and replaceability. Since they can basically only trade him for futures, what does a realistic trade package look like for Fiala this summer? Ottawa has been heavily interested for a few off seasons. I think they're motivated to land him and insert him in their top six. As they're aware, top picks sometimes don't pan out. If Fiala rolls like he has been, there's an outside shot at 23 points in 18 remaining games, probably, uh, making him a point-per-game player. That's a lot of ifs. Yes, it is. But I don't think I'm dreaming if we need a top prospect and a first-rounder. The Wild don't have the leverage, but it's not like Ottawa would be the only buyer. Ridley Grigg is a must-get if they're a trade partner. The question is, can we snag their top five pick in draft Savoy or the Slovakian winger? Um, Ottawa has buckets of cap and adding a player like Fiala is a great st start to competing for a playoff spot. Let me know if I'm off my rocker. I don't think you're totally off your rocker. Um, you know, the math obviously do really just doesn't work right now. I have no idea what Billy has up his sleeves. It's definitely something. I just don't know what it is. Um, but it just doesn't look great but at the same time like man like it's really i guess you know one thing that i think people need to think about too is how much more is there in fiala right so is this his peak i mean he's right around that age now i think there's probably still more there but you know especially in minnesota with the guys in front of him and you know and it sounds like I'm like shitting on him. I'm not. He's incredible. He rocks. And he's finally the player that I think Nashville thought they were drafting. Part of that was him needing to grow up a little bit. And he comes to Minnesota reality check. Um, and he just kind of took off last couple of years. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it depends how much money he's going to want. I mean, they don't, they barely have enough cap space to sign him right now. Um, so it does look like, you know, a trade is probably pretty likely, especially when you consider you got one year at Dumba, you know, it's only six. I mean, only is only, but whatever. Um, and you're still not really sure what that number looks like for Fiala. And you're probably gonna have to commit term, um, which is kind of scary right now if you're Minnesota. But, um, you know, and Ottawa is that team that's been heavily in on Fiala for a, more than just this year. It's been going on for a long time. The thing is, I would be shocked if, 
Ottawa would be willing to give up a Ridley Gregg. They love him. He's having a monster year. He fits the exact mold of player that they want. Um, they've been drafting a lot of guys that are pricks to play against. They're super tough. They play hard. Um, and the thing with Greg is he's absolutely a prick to play against, but he's also looking like right now, at least in the OHL or OHL, the WHL right now, like he's just physically dominant and he's putting up like a point over a point per game. I don't know if they would be willing to part ways with that for Kevin Fiala, although he does fit their window. They're looking to start competing and they are top six winger away from really being a team that's kind of scary. Uh, they probably still need to work on that defense. But at the same time, I know that they are in on Fiala. They have been in on Fiala, you know, and talking to my buddies over there and talking to some people around the organization, it is like that top six winger that they really feel is the next piece to put them over, start putting them over the edge, at least for like competing for a playoff spot. They have like the misfortune of playing the Atlantic division, which is just a complete wagon. It's insane. Um, and they do it. They've got picks. I think they have one first round pick. They've got two seconds, two thirds, uh, three fifths, whatever. Um, you know, and they have a lot of cap space, but I do wonder how much they'd be willing to give up. Um, and I wonder how much you would get for Fiala. You know, Greg's really, he really is like a top prospect for them. Um, you know, if you could, if you could get him out of there and you could get a pick as well, um, you know, if, if they're giving up a Ridley Greg, there's not a whole lot else coming back, especially for a, a free agent restricted, albeit. Um, but he really is like, he's super legit. So like, that's like a blue chip prospect. And I would be shocked if they would be willing to give up a top five pick for Kevin Fiala. Um, you know, could you, could they do like a second and a third in a prospect? Um, I don't know. Um, I think that they're going to be very careful with that first round pick, even though they've kind of built up that pool, like one of the best pools in the NHL. Um, but I just, I do wonder if, I don't know how much they'd be wanting to give up um, in terms of like a, a shot at Maddie Savoy or Connor Geeky or Simon Nemitz. You know, maybe they win the lottery and they go first overall and get a Shane Wright, Slavkovsky. I mean, that's the winner you're talking about. Now, if you could get them to do it, I'd do it in a heartbeat. If you could get a top five pick for Kevin Viala, I love him, but I'll drive you to the airport. Not really, because that's cold. Um, I just I I can't see them wanting to give up a Greg and a top five pick. Um, I'd be surprised if they would do. I mean, you have to give up. You have to give to get right. So you know, I could see like a second round pick this year, maybe a pick next year, and you know, a mid to top prospect. But um, like you said, there Auto would be the only buyer, so the price goes up a little bit, and um, you know they're interested. So it's an interesting thought. Um, that being said, I, I just can't see them giving up a shot at, you know, Shane Wright, Matty Savoy, Simon Nemitz, Yuri Slavkovsky, David Yerchek, you know, whoever you want, Logan Cooley, whoever you want to put in that top five, Frank Nazar. Um, I'd be shocked if they would be willing to give up a chance at one of those guys for Kevin Fiala, who, like, you never know. This could be the peak, right? So, uh, but it is a good fit. Um, there's obviously interest there and they've got more than enough prospects and picks to, to make it work. Um, we'll just see if that's the trade that goes down and, and what they're willing to pay and what the rest of the market kind of dictates for a price. But, um, I think you're probably looking at two picks, 
one second, maybe a third. And, you know, let's look at their prospect pool off the top of my head. <sighs> hmm. I should have gone back and looked through their drafts, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, again, good fit. You know, maybe they, for whatever reason, there's the interesting Chris Deary. That'd be terrible for the, for the wild, but, um, you know, you're not getting like a Norris or a Stutzel or, you know, Batherson or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I think you're probably looking at a couple picks in a prospect and you're probably another late round pick going back the other way. I don't know. But we'll see. I've been wrong about literally everything, like I said. So, um, move. I hope that answered your question. Uh, Wild Farm Report. Where does Mitchell Chafee project into an NHL lineup? He's always been used in a top six role in the AHL, but I'm not sure if he has that upside. Does his style of play fit our fourth line, ignoring the number of guys he has to compete with? Uh, yes and no. Um, you know, I think he moves fairly well. He does play a. I mean, so I mean, yeah. But, you know, you're looking at a kid right now who, I mean, granted, he's on an absolute heater and it's not going to stay like this forever. And when he goes to the NHL, it's probably not going to be his thing. But uh, I, I can see him like in a third line scoring role, um, second power play unit. Um, you know, he's just consistently got better, like seemingly every game this year. Um, so I see a guy middle six scores responsible at the other end, moves his feet well plays a hard game battles. So he does kind of fit everything that Minnesota likes. Um, you know, he's a big body power forward that's got an absolute cannon of a release and he can, um, you know, he can play a responsible game. So, I mean, I can see him in a middle six role somewhere. I'm, you know, and who knows, maybe you have like a future, not a future. Maybe if, you know, Jost either, goes up to the second line or isn't here next year or, you know, in the future, you know, maybe you have a fourth line of like a Duhame, Dewar and Chafee. I think that could be incredible actually. So yeah, I could see them liking that kind of a fourth line, um, you know, but it, there's just so much scoring there that, you know, I think if you really want to get the most out of Mitchell Chafee, you have to put him in a, in a spot where he's got a chance to score. Um, he does play an all around effective game, but um you know, especially this season, again, 19 goals and 38 games or whatever it is, um, you know, and they're not tippins or they're not just like poking the puck in or on empty net goals. They are rips from the, he loves picking the puck up at the circle, um, you know, cutting in and just unleashing shelf a couple bottle rockets this year, but I could see him challenging for a middle six spot, um, you know, second power play unit. Uh, just a threat, but he just is a solid power forward. He's a lot of fun to watch. And he's just, again, he's just been on a tear, but yeah, I mean, I do would I would wonder about a fourth line of like a Duhame doer and Chafee. That could be a whole lot of fun. And I think he'd actually fit with those two uh, really well, which again, that's probably why you saw him play with doer um, and Beckman, you know, and they separated him from Rossi uh, the last two games. Let's go to the Twitter questions. Tyler, how about a little rant on first of how off to a hot start, but what can we reasonably expect for his arc? What are his strengths and weaknesses? Is he a project type player that likely requires extended time in the A? Who are some rough NHL comp form? Comps are always tough. I, I've said this before. I, for me, anyways, comps kind of have to like just like hit me. Um, I still haven't found one for him yet, but I do think his, you know, if you want to talk ceiling. You know, he definitely could challenge for a middle to maybe second line 
scoring role. Um, you know, he plays hard. He's tenacious. Again, he's probably another guy that, you know, just watching him like the realistic would be like a scoring. I mean, I've just, I think I just said this about Mitchell Chafee, even though they're two completely different players. Um, you know, he does scream just middle six score, but you know, I think he does play an all around effective game as well. Um, you know, it's not necessarily the defensive technique or anything like that or positioning. It's just, I think he's just a really smart hockey player, but I wouldn't quite label him as like a project that requires a ton of time in the HL. Um, you know, I think I was touching on it earlier. I, I think he's got a couple of things that he could probably work on just playing a pro game. Um, where if, you know, like if he doesn't, if he can't figure out how to play at the pro level, maybe he's like a tweener, right? Like maybe you're looking like a Jerry Mayhew uh, who's just going to rip apart the AHL, but, you know, never really make it to a full-time capacity at AHL. Um, at the same time, like, He's so creative offensively and he's so skilled, super competitive. Um, you know, the other thing with him is he's kind of just born. He's a big game player. He loves playing those big moments. You know, the hockey East tournament, UConn goes to the final. He scores in all three playoff games, including the final. They lose two, one in overtime uh, to, uh, was it UMass Northeastern? I can't remember. Um, I think it was UMass, but, you know, I, I middle challenge for like a second line scoring role, but um, you know, I think give him at least a year in the AHL, full year in the AHL, and he'll probably be challenging for a spot. I mean, he's just the talent's there. You, there's just when you watch him, you can see it. Um, I said it before; he's just ex- the way he's extending offensive zone shifts. He's not panicking. He looks better against pros than he does against college players. So it's just interesting to me. So um, it's kind of changed. I mean, I said it but i was pumping his tires throughout the year but you know watching the ahl these three these three games it's kind of made me change like he's got legit upside and there's a reason he went in the second round of that draft so and there's a reason that he made a russian world juniors team um he's exciting player he's got a ton of skill he's an offensive guy um who's at least willing to try on defense Uh, again work in progress but um you know his hockey iq and his hockey awareness really help him in the defensive zone as well so um I'd say give him at least a year, um, maybe challenges for a spot. I think I saw a comp for him. I thought it was interesting. Definitely not like realistic or anything, but in terms of just like a basic player profile, not necessarily like fighting as often or whatever, but like a Brendan Morrow type. Um, but he's just a really good player, but I think I've ranted on him before. So, uh, Matthew, I've touched on this too. How's Murat done the playoffs of this team? I know he's got a few points, but is he playing good overall game? Also asks, should straws be put in bottles of whiskey and not just bottles of beer? You can put straws in anything, fellas. Straw it up. You know what I'm saying? Like, just throw a straw in there. It's always good. But yeah, like I said, I haven't really watched a ton of KHL playoffs. I'm getting, I have a hard time gauging what's going on over there and how much to really take away from it. But there are some games where I thought when I'm, when I am watching, um, you know, there's flashes there. Um, I mean, again, the one thing that every shift you can see is the skating. Like the kid can move. My God, I would pay to watch him do a bag skate. Um, but yeah, I think he's, you know, he's got a couple points. Um, you know, he's appeared in that second line a few times. He's playing a little bit of center. So, um, oh no, I mean, always good for a kid to get 
uh, you know, playoff experience in a pro league. So good for him. Uh, moving on. Hideki asked three questions. First one, <laughs> what do you do in life when you're not working, eating, sleeping, pooping, watching, talking, tweeting hockey? And how many hours a day are you doing this? That's about all I do. Makes in some fears. It's about it, though. You know, I mean, what else is there? Nothing, really. Um, yeah, literally, I pretty much wake up. I go to work. If I'm in the office, I go down there. I come back and I just watch hockey. And then I go to bed. On the weekends, I pretty much wake up, watch hockey, have some beers with the fellas, watch more hockey, go to bed. Uh, and then I'm working at home, usually working and watching hockey. So, um, you know, probably about 24 hours a day, you know, married to the game. Uh, Hideki also asks, which jerseys do you own? I own a weird collection of jerseys. I have the Bruins Winter Classic from the most recent Winter Classic. I have one from the 2015 or whatever Winter Classic. I have my Jonas Brodeen uh, Minnesota Reverse Retro. I have a Labatt Blue jersey that's on the wall what other jerseys do i have oh my funniest one that i have because he's my favorite player and then i was really sad when he left and i was in high school like i said he wasn't in high school i was in college but i have an andrew ference oilers jersey <laughs> what else i think that might be it i think that's it no i have a you lowell like practice sweater yeah i don't have a ton they're fucking expensive dude uh, Hideki also asked, what would you do if the Wild and Bruins both reached Stanley Cup final? I would die and I wouldn't watch it because I hate everybody when they play because everyone bitches about every little hit. And uh, hey, the there are a couple of you little fucking pigeons are celebrating that Trent Frederick got hurt today. I think you're a fucking loser. But anyways, Nelson replied to that tweet, goes, turn off the channel and watch Luge from Germany. <laughs> I probably would do that. It's pretty good. Um, all right, let's go wild 97 underscore 33. If you had to make a prediction on the wild, this is tough on the wilds D pairings to start 2023. What are that's like, that's almost impossible. What are they follow up? What do you think they'll be by the end of next season slash 2023 postseason? Okay. Starts. So next year, right? Or do you mean the year after? I don't know. Um, well, Spurgeon's here. Brodeen's here. I think after next season, Dumb is not here, and Dumb is probably here next year. Merrill will be here. Golagoski probably. Kulikov, I think, will be gone. We'll see with Middleton. So it all depends, really, if they end up bringing back Middleton. Um, I mean, for for like, if you're asking about next season, that's what I can't figure out. Start 2023, like start 2022-23 or like 2023-2024. Because at that point, O'Rourke's challenging. Addison's in. Um, so I guess it would really depend on what they want to do with Middleton. I mean, again, like the odds, I mean, the money isn't really there for him right now either. I mean, I don't think he's going to make that much money, but... Uh, in terms of raw, I think maybe they try to trade Kulikov this offseason. Couple bucks cap space. I don't know. That's the thing. Like, do they trade Dumba? Do they trade Kulikov? Do they maybe like flip Middleton? You know, what if they go to Ottawa because Ottawa needs help on D? 
you know, if they flip Fiala with Middleton, I don't know. Um, but I'd say in terms of the right side for next year, Spurgeon's here. I'd imagine Dumba's here. Um, and then you probably put Merrill there uh, or whoever plays on the right over there. Um, I'd imagine they want to bring Middleton back. I mean, I think you're looking at it. That's the thing with the guys that they've re-signed and who they still have to. With. So I don't I don't know if Addison's there day one. I could see him working his way into that lineup by the end of next year. But if you want to talk about 2023-2024, just because this is a prospect podcast, uh, you know, O'Rourke will be challenging. Lambos will be challenging. Hunt will be challenging for spots. Um, you know, by then you'd imagine that Addison's on the team. Dumba's gone. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Merrill. If he has his whole contract here, we'll see what happens with Kolagoski. Um, but you know, I think O'Rourke challenges slash has a real shot at making the team in two years. Lambos potentially. Um, but if you're asking about, I can't do, I can't give you specific D pairs right now just because I don't even know who's going to be here next year. I mean, like maybe that's what you're asking, but in terms of getting called up, Addison's right there right now. Um, and the guys after that, maybe like, uh, I mean, I don't think, I don't know, Mermis, I, I can't see, you know, out and out NHL. I mean, he could be a good bottom six guy somewhere, but maybe not Minnesota. Um, but I do think in the future, you know, Addison's right there. Then you're looking at O'Rourke as the next NHL ready guy. Um, and then it's between Hunt and Lambos. So, you know, O'Rourke likes to play on the right side too. So, you know, a couple of years you could be looking at Addison on that second pair, O'Rourke on the third pair. That would be cool. I'd love that. Be a big fan of that. Um, but those are the three, three guys that are probably the closest to challenging for that spot, though, would be, well, four. Lambos, Hunt, O'Rourke, and then Addison, I would imagine, is going to be there. So I don't know if that actually answered your question whatsoever. Probably didn't, and I'm sorry for that. But it is just like, even if it was like the first week of the offseason, I'd have a better idea. But, um, I mean, they've, they've just got guys that are signed, so it's weird. Like, I don't know. And last question, Zach Broberg. I don't even know if you listen to the podcast. I think you do. Yeah, actually, I think you said you did. I don't know. I'm an idiot. Anyways, he asked via DM, you little, you little slut. I was kind of fucked up. Jesus Christ. All right, I gotta go to bed soon. Uh, with D'Lo being a UFA this year, what are the odds you think the Wild sign him? Guy plays like he takes a bump of Coke and chugs a Red Bull before every ship. I think he does. Absolute unit. Gotta love it. Dudes rock. Confirmed. Um, I'm sure they'd love to. I just don't know how they make that math work either. And I really think you gotta be careful spending. You know, you got Jost right there on that fourth line right now. We'll see what happens in the offseason if he ends up on that second line. You know, if Fiala goes. Um, but you know, I think you gotta be careful how much money you want to spend. I mean, you can't really do more than a million, right? So, I mean, and right now every cent counts. So while I love the guy and I think he would love to stay and I think the Y would love to have him. I just don't know how you make that money work. I don't know how you make the roster spots work with guys that are going to be NHL ready or challenging for spots. Um, so we'll see. I definitely wouldn't rule it out, but he's another one that just doesn't feel likely other than the fact that it's Bill Guerin and he loves that shit. So 
I'd give it a 70% no, 30% yes, but not because they don't want to or Deloria doesn't want to or, um, you know, he rocks. But all right, that's going to do it. I made it through the whole episode. We did a whole episode, whole fucking episode. That's pretty good considering I'm like dying. It is midnight officially right now. The clock has officially struck midnight. I have no idea what I just talked about for an hour and 24 minutes. I hope it made sense. I hope I answered your questions other than the deep hair one. I know I didn't help you at all. I'm sorry. And maybe I'll take a stab at that later. My eyeballs are red. Jesus Christ. I gotta, I gotta go to bed or I'd learn how to fall asleep. Anyways. Uh, thank you as always for tuning in. If you listen to this all the way through, you're a complete psycho. If you're still listening, tweet something really mean at me and um, I'll say thank you or something. Just to, out of curiosity to see how many of you complete mutants are still listening. Anyways, okay, that's enough. Um, I will see you next week. Peace out. <laughs>